Mission family. All right, give that person you're talking to a quick hug and have a seat. Unless you're about to hand them some money. Go ahead and do that. If that's what God put on your heart to do, go ahead and follow through. I know one of you in here is like, oh, wait, that is what God put on my heart to do. (laughs) Wow. Do you feel full? I feel so full. So full right now. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lucretia. That was so powerful. I love the unity in this house and just the love of the Father. We want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Wish you were in the room, but we have no doubt Holy Spirit is blessing you and blasting you wherever you are. So we just bless you with increase and community wherever you find yourself. Okay. Y'all are a pretty good looking group of people. Look at you, except there's this whole gap of seats over here. What is going on? My goodness. All right, Jesus, we call them in. Okay. So I just want to tell you about a few things that we have going on that we're really excited about. Day with Bill. Do y'all know who Bill Johnson is? Are you sure? Okay. If you know who the man is, then you want to be in this room when he is here. We have Day with Bill Uh, October 28th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We will be in this room. You must register for the event, so please go onto the mission website and register. You want to be in the room and catch what he's, just his presence, what God releases through him is profound. So we want to invite you to show up October 28th, 10 to 4 p.m. We also have our very own George Elrod. George, are you in the house? Where are you? George, in the back. Okay, this is a powerful, powerful man of God, a father in this house. You also want to be in the room when he is speaking. George has just written a book recently, and he's teaching a class. It's just a one-day class called The Cure for Spiritual. Because I'm from somewhere else. (laughs) The Cure for Spiritual Anemia. (laughs) Lord Jesus, help this woman. This is going to be a one-day class, September 17th, from 1 to 2 p.m. I guarantee you there is a lot more that George has to share. If you join Ignite, you will get to hear more of George's teaching because he is going to be one of our profound teachers uh, during Ignite, which leads me to Ignite. Okay, come on, all you Ignite folks. This is our, this is the mission kind of school of ministry that we are developing that is expanding and growing. And I want to thank all of you who responded last week to Dave's call to say, hey, get out there and register for Ignite because it's going to be a profound time together building community. If you're looking to build community, but you're looking to grow in healthy, emotional, um, emotional, healthy spirituality, this is where you want to be. The harvest is here. God is moving. People are coming. They need to know the love of God. But if you got stuff going on in you, are you going to run to embrace them or are you going to run and hide? We were one to run and hide. I can't deal with that mess. I don't know what to do with that. That's a demon. How'd that get in here? This is the church. No, we want them here. Right? But we need to get healthy so we can actually give the love of God in a healthy way. So, so come to Ignite. Okay, get healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then we're go- Ryan's going to uh, just deliver incredible teaching also each week on building uh, leadership skills and discipleship skills. All right, so this is where you want to be is Ignite. You can register in the back. Uh, Lisa and Forrest will be back there to register you. Y'all, I brought my computer this time, and it's connected, so we're okay. 
All right. Come on up, Ryan. So Ignite starts next Sunday, 4.30 in the hangar. See you then. Uh, good morning. You do not want to miss Ignite. Register today. All right. How are you doing this morning? It's a good morning so far. Well, we get to continue our worship today and giving our tithes and offerings. But we also get to do something special today during our offering time. And we get to give an offering, a person offering. Because, you know, we are all about raising up and sending out world changers, right? Well, we get to send one out onto the mission field today. So if I can have Glory Sarard come on up. We get to send her out today. She's going out on the mission field for a year. And so we wanted to pray her out as we give our offering of of her to the world. And she's an amazing offering. She's one of our best. We're giving off of our top. And so real quick, what are you doing for this year? Yeah, so earlier this year when I went to Youth with a Mission um, in YWAM Kona, and I got to do a discipleship training school, which is like a mission school with them. And I was there in Hawaii for three months being trained. And I went to Norway and did ministry for three months with a team. Basically, we just got to like spread fire around Norway to a lot of Norwegian youth and just encourage them to basically like fully go in for God and fully surrender their lives to him and not just be lukewarm, but be on fire for him. And we got to evangelize and see people come to know the Lord, like <laughs> literally crazy. Um, and so that was amazing. And God really touched my heart during then to go back and not to just like be in that school, but to staff it. So um, next Sunday, I go back to Hawaii and I'll be doing a three month leadership program and um, I'll be training to staff the school that starts in January, but we'll also be getting to just do like outreach in the local Hawaiian community. So like basically doing missions in Hawaii because Hawaii is actually like another culture. Um, And then in January, I'll start staffing the school and that'll be like discipling in Kona for three months, discipling students, mentoring them as they go through that whole thing. And then at the end of March, then I will co-lead a team to another country. I don't know where yet, but that'll be co-leading like a team of about 10 people to another nation for three months um, and just doing ministry. So I'm so excited what the Lord wants to do. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. You get to suffer in Hawaii for Jesus. We all wish we had that calling. Gloria, why don't you come down here so we can have some of you guys gather around here. We want to send her out as we receive our tithes and offerings. So if you'd stretch your hands out towards her. Yeah, come on down gather around her. So Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate gift. We ask that you send this gift out into the world with power and authority that you've placed in her life that she has cultivated. So we just send her out from the mission with the blessing and the authority of the mission. We send glory out in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Continue to pray for her as she goes on this adventure and changes the world. All right. So, guys, you can go ahead and start passing the baskets if you haven't already. But it's my privilege this morning to, to introduce our speakers this morning. <clears throat> 
These two have been a part of our lives for many years um, and has had a huge impact on this church and our family. Um, They're one of those people, and there's very few in the world, that I know at any point in my life, if I need something, they're there. If things are going amazing, they're there. And if things are not so amazing, they're there. And they are always encouraging, challenging. And um, they're one of those people that just know how to push you in the right direction. They're not afraid to ask challenging questions. But they do it from a heart of love and wanting the best. And they have radically changed my life. Um, So would you please stand and help welcome Jamie and Nicole Van Gelder. going to stay. I just wanted to say hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) I was actually trying to remember how long ago like it was that we first got connected. And I don't know. And I think part of the reason is because it's hard to remember before. Because it really feels like our hearts have just been knit together with Dave and Deb and Ryan and Des and all of you. And so I just want to thank you for the honor of getting to be part of your family here, um, even in snowy, cold Minnesota. I did for a time wish we could actually be here (laughs) in warm, sunny California. (laughs) Um, But we just really honestly love you guys, and we pray for you regularly, and we consider our lives joined, but, you know, we have a church in Minnesota too, and we really feel like you're an extended part of our family there. And so just thank you for giving us the privilege of being part of your lives here, even a little bit. And um, and just know that we truly love you. We're cheering you on. We're praying for you regularly. And, um, and we believe that the best days are still ahead of all of you. So... Good morning. Ooh, that's a hot mic. You're going to need to back me off of this or I'll hurt people. How are you guys doing? Come on. Can we, uh, can we just say thank you to the worship team this morning? You guys did awesome. It was so great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I spent my time in the back in, on the floor there just, uh, you know, experiencing the Lord's presence and uh, and worshiping, but I felt like I was on the edge of tears the whole time. There's su- such a tenderness. Y'all, that's so wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord with other people, isn't it? It really is. It's a treasure. Worth valuing, worth fighting for, uh, worth pressing in. Whatever it costs, it actually matters. It matters deeply. Every time we worship like this, every time we come together, where where we're intentionally aligning as a community, together with heaven, man, that, that makes a difference in a community. You know, we're, we are anchoring ourselves to heaven. When you anchor yourself to heaven, 
You know, you might become a pain in culture that's trying to rush forward because we tend to be those who are unwilling to just go with the flow. We're those who are grabbing hold of heaven. I talked about this last time I was here. I don't know if anybody remembered this. doesn't matter. But, but we grab hold of heaven, and we grab hold of situations. We grab hold of people. We grab hold of our city, our community. We grab hold of the alignment of heaven's purpose. And then we tie ourselves to our moment in history, and we say to our moment in history, you will come into alignment with God's purpose for you. Declaring that over people, over our kids, over... And it might be, you know, there might be a little bit of a rub from time to time. We might not necessarily be the, uh, you know, the, the coolest people in town or the hippest people in town or the whatever. But, but yes, we are. Who said that? There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But... But relevancy to earth or relevancy to heaven? Which would you rather be? Are you trying to be relevant to pop culture, which will flip-flop and change in the next 10 years? Or are we anchoring in something bigger, deeper, wider that matters for eternity? And, and I, I'm telling you, every time we come together and worship like this, it matters so much because our hearts come into union, not with... Not with the agenda of a worship leader, not with the agenda of a message, but, but we come together and connect in spirit with him. Our hearts get anchored in him and together. And whoo, this is the stuff that ends up mattering for real. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I think this is the perfect morning for you to be here. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to get into some stuff. Okay, you can look at your other neighbor and go, uh-oh. We're going to get some stuff this morning. I feel, like, I feel like my job is to come here and to tick everybody off and then leave. It's great. So that's, some of you enjoy that process. and I, I always get happy, so joy starts to bubble over, but that normally means, uh-oh. So... Yep, the joy of the Lord. All right, would you just would you join me in prayer here, and then we'll we'll jump in the Word. And uh, I really do believe that the Lord has something for you today. Okay, it's not just corporate; it's for you. So, Holy Spirit, in this place, we just honor Your presence. Oh, in the precious and mighty name of Jesus, the Lord, our King, we approach the throne of grace this morning. Father, I am asking for grace that You would heap. Grace upon each one. Divine ability. Lord, for change, to manifest who you've made each one to be, for the sake of their calling and sense of purpose. Grace would be heaped upon them, Lord, for for stepping into difficult situations and bringing life. Grace would be heaped upon them, Lord, to overcome whatever they're facing. Lord, and in the midst of all of it, we declare your lordship, Jesus, that you are our king. You are our Lord. This is your church. Lord, come, rule and reign in the midst of us. 
And now, Father, I'm asking, would you release a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, upon us so that we can see and perceive what you're doing and wisdom, Lord, that we might step into it with our lives. We could alter our choices to align with what you're doing. We thank you for this, that you could be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, and anybody who dared to agree with that said, amen. Uh, I heard someone mention this morning Rosh Hashanah. I'm not sure how, how much we talk about that in, in the, the modern church, but let me just mention it real quick. So yesterday was Rosh Hashanah, uh, the year 5784. Uh, just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? A lot like 2023, 5784. Um, we, we are in a, it's, it's the, what's considered the Jewish New Year. It's a different calendar type. It was based off the lunar calendar versus, you know, where we are today and in, in our monthly setup and the way that we have measure modern times. So January 1st, you know, is where we're doing New Year and we turn the clock over. 5784 happened yesterday. It's New Year. Happy New Year. Come on. Often there is meaning and significance to the numbers themselves. And uh, that, that number, you, we heard someone say it's the year of the open door. Uh, that's coming from the, the number four. It, it's a picture of a threshold. It's a picture of a door. But it doesn't just mean an open door. It also means a closed one. It's a threshold. It's the shift in seasons. The prophetic meaning of the year and what it kind of says to us, hey, this is where we're going, is that we are in a transition moment. We're stepping between two places, two rooms. When you step into a new room, uh, sometimes the rules are different on the other side. Okay, uh, I live in Minnesota. It's just someone say it's cold. It is. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Y'all should come. You should come visit me. Okay? But the border of Minnesota is with a state called Wisconsin. Okay? And, uh, and there are football teams that exist in both. And in Minnesota, we cheer as long as they're winning. But as soon as they stop winning... We become the most bitter human beings ever. And we go to games still. We'll still go to a Vikings game. But the crowd turns mean and spiteful. And they literally, the crowd, okay, this is a true story, okay? My wife and I went to, uh, to a game it's a little bit ago now. But, but they were playing the Packers, Green Bay, okay, Wisconsin. They always like that. <laughs> We're playing the Packers, okay, Vikings versus Packers, and uh, the Vikings were not doing so well, and the crowd turned violent against the quarterback of the Vikings. I mean, bitter. Where literally they're walking off the field, and they are screaming horrible obscenities and terrible things to the players, like, boo, you are terrible, ah, you know but not church language. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Rules of engagement, Minnesota. As long as you're winning, cheer. Yeah. You go to Wisconsin and it's die hard. Like 
ride or died Packer. It's green. It's you can't if you went there wearing a Bears jersey or a Vikings jersey. Like this is not this is not a good idea. Don't do that because this is a hometown. Two totally different rooms, and it's set up by a border that's invisible. Step across that border, and you're in a different world. You're in different rules. You're, it's a different room. Everyone say different room. Okay, a transition between rooms, a transition between seasons is a real thing, even though it might feel like there's invisible barriers. And I'm telling you right now, our culture, our world is smack dab pressed against a new day. We are pressed against a new day in, in ways that uh, 20 years we couldn't have imagined. But we are slammed against not just culture and the progress of culture, but the storms of, of the recent days, your health slammed up against a new day, right? It, the COVID pandemic, it took us right to the very edge of all of the, the parameters and the ability and the, the, the it, it's pushed us to the very extreme. We got to the very borderlands of what is possible in terms of health for the world, it pushed us to that place. We got to see what it was like to, to watch systems reset in those days. You can't just shut economies down and they're just, oh, well, we're back to normal the next day. It's not like that, is it? How about the family? Are we bumping into some borderlands concerning the family? The nuclear family? Divide? The, the, what, is, what does it mean? Define it for me. Boy, can I, if you take a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 35-year-old, a 45-year-old, 55, let's do, let's do as many generations as we can, and let's ask them to define the nuclear family. But let's not be all from the same church culture. And let's see what kind of difference in opinion people will come up with. How different do you think the language is in defining things that we used to take for granted? Gender, right? Okay, fluid or not fluid, right? I understand where I'm at. This is a church, but let's take that to the world. Let's take that to the public high school here. Let's talk about this. Now, it's not the topic of discussion today because I'm not trying to blow everything up, okay? <laughs> you guys are egging me on, really? You don't want to go there with me. This is not the morning. I have something. I, I do have a, a message from the Lord for you. I really believe that. I have a now word. It really matters. Okay, a transition between rooms, a season change, like the one we we're pressed against. We're, we are resetting economy. No, I, how, many did, how many saw Hollywood completely resetting? I think we were like, we we're like, oh, there's going to be new Hollywoods. There's going to be, you know, like, oh, look, Atlanta's popping on the map, and we've got new studios, and, and, and there's more Christian influence. I don't think anybody saw, yeah, it's all about to shut down and go away. But it shut down and went away. This strike you're seeing right now, this isn't something that's just going to reset and pop back to normal. No, 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 y'all. We're, we're seeing reset type, boom. We are stepping from one day into the next and you can't just go back. You can't just go back. This is happening on almost every front. 
Now, step back for a moment, and let's just think big picture instead of micros. Little micro samplings would be like this church. Have you guys gone through some change in the last couple of years? That's a micro setting. That's a unified culture with the vast majority of us having very similar points of view, uh, history together. And look at how much dynamic change you have faced just in your micro. When you step back and you go macro culture, macro view, almost every one of these mountains of influence are slammed against a divine change. Okay? It is a new day. Three of you said yes to that. Okay, repeat after me. It is a new day. As much as you want to cling to things that you're comfortable with and things that you like and preference and things that you want, as much as you want that, the next generation are the ones that get to decide what stays around when you're gone. As much power as you possess right now, as much authority, as much influence, okay, let's just say you're the man, you're the man, okay? That's you, you're in charge, large in charge. You got the finances, you got the power, you got the authority. As long as you're on the map, you get to determine where we're going, don't you? Because you're the man. But once you're in that pine box, who gets to decide? There might be some who value what you said, but after that, your your voice isn't extending beyond the grave, y'all. Your power and authority is over. That's a fun thought, huh? Let's talk about mortality. It'll be great. 5784, it's the day of a transition, macro transition, not micro, macro. Slammed against it in so many different ways. I, I'm, there are multiple ways we're going to touch on this this morning. I hope you're okay. I, I want you to get comfortable, okay? Just shake yourself loose. You're a little bit tense right now. I can feel it, okay? Just shake yourself loose. Get comfortable for a moment, all right? Um, I, am, I, I brought with me a, a little bit of a... Uh, a business commercial. Now, let me set it up, okay? I'm going to show you a little video right now, okay? I, uh, you may not know this about me, but I am a professional coach in the executive world. Now, I pastor a church. That's my primary calling. But I, I, I started noticing pretty early on in my journey and my sense of calling and purpose that, that the, the center of culture had shifted from the church to the marketplace. The center of American culture, at least. Okay, I'm sure there are other cultures that, that still have. The, the center of the culture had, had, and really, I believe, the Lord had been calling to more than just me, but a generation of people, to begin to disciple the marketplace. To, to be called into that place, uh, you know. But it's the place where... The decisions are being made. And so anyway, so I started leaning into that and learning about it. And my heart was really wanted to make an impact. I noticed that the people in my church, I, I had a, a chance meeting with one man. He uh, had just come to the Lord. 
and he was applying to be a volunteer. Okay? And he was uh, looking at being a greeter. Nothing wrong with being a greeter. Awesome. Like, you are, I think you get to set the, the atmosphere. You know, I think it's a powerful, powerful place. But I was asking him about his history, and he was saying to me that he didn't really feel qualified to volunteer in the church. And, and you know, because he's a new believer and didn't really, he just wasn't comfortable. You know, he's a little scared and intimidated. Y'all are scary. Okay? And, and I asked him about his background. I was like, hey, what, what, what did you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Okay, and he's a man in his 60s. And uh, he said, oh, he said, well, I'm an, I'm an interim CEO for Fortune 500 companies. Uh, the, the, when a company is going through a major transition, they hire me to come in and either fix it or help it move to the next phase in its organizational history. And I said, like, oh, okay. Like, like name some, and they were all companies I recognized. You know, you would too. And I said, well, what'd you do before that? He said, oh, yeah, I, I built a company and then ended up selling it for like a bazillion dollars, right? I led that for 30 years. And, you know, and he's talking to me about this rich history and qualification <laughs> and then how ill-equipped and how unqualified he felt in the church to greet people. Okay. I'm not sure that's the type of culture we want in church to make people of that kind of caliber feel so insignificant and small, right? And so so I was just blown away, but the Lord spoke to me in my heart in that moment, and he was like, like, this community of people need to be reached too. They need to be discipled too. And so I began a journey of reaching out, getting my heart engaged in it, helping business owners, helping executive teams, just helping them to to engage wisdom from the Lord, not just the world stuff, okay? So that's kind of a little sidetrack thing. You might not know that about me. I've been doing that for several years now, and uh, it's always in the background of my life. It's not the primary thing. My calling is to help God's people align with heaven. That's me. But I realize there's God's people out in the marketplace too. It's not just in the local church. Is anybody alive this morning? Okay, so about... Seven years ago, I created this business commercial to help emphasize the need of the moment. And we're gonna, it kind of sets up beautifully what we're going to talk about this morning. You guys ready? All right, get your popcorn out. We good? Go for it. Turn up the volume there. Thank you. This silver dollar belonged to my great-grandfather. He was a good man. I was still a baby when he passed away. When the coin was given to me, they said Grandpa talked about the kids he'd never meet. He lived his life making decisions with me in mind. They say this coin has appreciated in value. It's worth like $50 now. But I won't sell it because it means more to me than the money I'd get. In every town, there are men and women who spent their lives building something. Their decisions have made those towns better places to live. They started businesses to support their own families, but have ended up creating opportunities for countless others. They're unsung heroes, just like my grandpa. There's a major transition coming in the next 10 to 15 years. Approximately 10 million business owners will enter their retirement years and decide what they want to do with their companies. 
These companies represent 60% of the nation's workforce. So the attempt to sell, pass off leadership, or simply close the company will dramatically impact the towns and people they've spent their lives building. The unfortunate reality is that only 5-7% to of all businesses put up for sale will actually get sold. This is why it's so important to be proactive in this transition. A wise man once said, In all labor there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. With supply and demand shifting the market, the transfer of your company's future should not be left up to chance. What you've built carries enough value to leave a legacy for your families, employees, and communities, and should leave you with resources to invest beyond retirement. This just takes intentionality. For the sake of the next generation, don't wait to think about these things. Start to invest in your future today. That was seven years ago. I don't know if you heard those statistics. Let me read them, repeat them back to you, and then just look at the moment we're in right now. Okay? We're talking about an economy reset. We're talking about a hard stop, a transition between seasons. These things might be actually hitting you guys right now. You're living through it. It's why there's so much stress. It's not just a presidency. It's not just COVID. This stuff has been heading our direction for a long time. It's not, the, it's not politics that put us here. <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. It is not. I want, I know, we want to go, no, it's the guy. It's not the guy. This thing has been heading a long time towards us. It's been a train coming down the tracks. It's a reason why God would have Israel's economy reset every 50 years. There's a reason why. Okay. Hello. Come on. Are you guys okay? Remember, loosen up. No pucker factor this morning. Don't do that to me. Don't make me work for this like that. Here was the statistic. 10 million businesses will transition. Okay? They're not my, these aren't my statistics. This is, this comes from the marketplace, the business world. Okay, 10 million, and it's approximate, obviously. It's not zero, 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 zero. Because the age of those who have built companies. It's, that's where people are at. They're in retirement years. They're transitioning. A lot, many are holding on longer because there's not someone to pass it off to. It's just happening. It's happening in our towns. It's hap- Go down to any kind of like city center and you're watching those mom and pop shops dry up and turn and just close. Why? Because the next generation doesn't want to work them jobs. 10 million businesses will transition. That means sale, that means pass it on, or that means close. Those who try to sell, those who try to pass it on, here are the grim statistics. It is grim. 5% will successfully do it. 95% will not. That's not prediction. That's what, that's history. This is, this is how difficult it is to step from one room into the next. This is, this is, Jesus talked about this, by the way, not in these terms, and you'll see it when we read the scripture here in a moment. But this is actually how difficult it is to transition from a previous season into the next season. 95% fail. 
Y'all, I look around at this is a beautiful congregation. It is not one color. Come to Minnesota, I can take you to some Lutheran churches that are one, I mean, okay, there is white and there's off-white. This is a beautiful congregation. Cultures popping. It's hitting walls everywhere. Dynamics that are so painful to some. And and it means change. Like, change or die. That's really where we're at. Reset or become irrelevant. Choose to step through the door, or you can hold on for another however many years, or... Like, if you hold on to it, you're like, no, we have to do it our way. Okay? Then you will watch whatever it is that you're stewarding age itself out and die. Ten million organizations, these are businesses. That not, this isn't even the church statistics. The church statistics are worse. How many get passed on to the next generation? How many congregations are dying? There's like, there's a lot, like, every day congregations that have aged themselves out. There's no young people, and they just close the door. And what one generation, two generations, three generations of people gave the widow's might to build, it got eaten up by the grave in a moment. One, and I'm here today to tell you that there is a divine solution that the world is not going to discover it on its own, and that God has set up, yes, the righteous, okay, the righteous to inherit the wealth of the wicked. How many years have we been prophesying that thing? 20, 30 years. The wealth of the wicked's being stored up for the righteous. What does that mean? You're in it right now. You're in it. You're in it right now. Face to face with it. It is here. It is at the door. You go, oh, well, my bank account hadn't moved. Okay, well, then maybe you might want to listen this morning. Because this isn't about bank accounts, okay? This isn't about, this is about the, everyone say the wealth, okay? There is, Something powerful, something powerful that each generation possesses that is meant to find its way to the next generation as a baton being passed. But the grave is a hard no-go. If you go there, you have no opportunity to pass that thing on. And I'm not. Just speaking about natural life. I'm saying if you hold on to that, you built that business, sir, awesome. That's amazing. It provided for your family. It did its thing. If you hold on too long. But I'm not dead yet. Yes, but see, you clung to your ways long enough for your kid to decide they want nothing to do with it. Okay, that was a little harsh. Let me stop. Sorry, that was. You get it. Okay, you're feeling it, yeah? 10 million businesses, the valuation of it is $10 trillion. It's actually more. That will 
Okay, 5% of 10 trillion. Okay, what's it going to do? It's going to go to the grave. It's, it's, going to, it's going to not be passed. It's right there. It, it's the wealth of the wicked has been stored up. It's there. It's the possession of a generation. And the next generation's rising up. And the body of Christ has been given the key to help build the bridges between generations so that it won't go to the grave. In fact, it'll be passed through. That is the goal this morning. Do I have your ears turned on yet? Okay, put a hand on your own heart, would you? Just say, Lord, speak to me this morning. Father, I want to honor your word, and I want to hear what you're saying to me this morning. God, I pray for abundant grace. I pray for a compassionate mercy that would touch each heart this morning, because this that you would shake off, Lord, the grave clothes off of people, and that they might willingly in humility step through that transition and let go of control to embrace, God, what you want to do next. I thank you for these things. Commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Rosh Hashanah. That's what it means, what I just said. Okay? We're going to hear a lot of stuff about it. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure it's all true. It's all great teaching. I'm just telling you, this is what it is, what I just articulated. It's a hard stop, y'all. It's a transition. It's two rooms passing between one and the other. Let me read a passage of Scripture before I get myself too in trouble. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. Matthew 19. I forgot to give the verses in the back. I'm so sorry, Al. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. If you've got a Bible... I'm deeply encouraged by the rough rushing of uh, pages right now. Okay, show of hands, who has an actual Bible with them right now? One, two, three, four, five, six. There you go. Turn in your app, please, to Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. Someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why are you asking me what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. The person, he said to him, he said to Jesus, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. That's a good one. If you would like your life to go well, then don't murder someone. And you'll have opportunity to live that life, right? Don't murder. You shall not commit adultery. Don't blow up your marriage. That would be a bad thing to do. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And all the parents in the room said, amen. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, okay, if you wish to be complete, everyone say, be complete. If you wish to be complete, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. 
And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were astonished and said, well, who can be saved then? And Jesus said to them, with people, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Okay? With people, it's impossible. With the world, the world will not figure this out on its own. The only way that's going to happen is if God gets involved. Okay? With people, it's impossible. With God, it is. You can. Nikki and I lived in Germany. I was stationed there. This is a, a military town, right? Uh, we were, I was in the United States Air Force. I was stationed right outside of Luxembourg, um, right on the border between Germany and Luxembourg, Belgium. And uh, like you draw a map of Germany, a little like thing that jets out, that's where we were. And, and uh, we were living in a home that had been built in 1933. So it's a pre-war home. Didn't get bombed out, which is kind of amazing. Farmhouse that a town had built, been built around, and we were renting from the farmer, the, the guy who was, owned it. And, uh, and we, we were excited about this home. It was beautiful. It was a three-story home in the middle of a town. Had a, had a, a, uh, um, the, the local pub that had great food and, and bowling in it. And they watched the, you know, the, the football game, soccer game, you know, Every night of the week, there was something going on. Community life it was all German people, no Americans. It was awesome, right? We were just there. And we, we had all our stuff delivered to the house, right? We're moving in. It's moving day. Yeah, we're excited about it. We get all our stuff. We start bringing it inside. And uh, we picked out our room. Our room was on the top floor. Beautiful. View, skylights, awesome, Right? And, uh, and we go to bring our bed upstairs. Box spring. 1933. Staircase. I don't know if anybody's feeling where I'm going with this, but let me tell you, there are some things in your life that will not go across the threshold. We, we, we had to literally saw our bed in half to... <laughs> to break it, and then we got it back upstairs, and I went and got wood and, you know, nailed it all back together. Because it wasn't going to fit. It's just not going to fit. It didn't matter. This modern thing was not going to go through the door of a threshold that was built for a different season. It's not going to happen. Okay? Hear me. Why is the rich guy grieving? Because Jesus is saying to them, there is a new season And all the stuff that you obtained in the last season, the stuff that meant you were somebody, your titles, your entitlement, your your authority, your, your stuff, your riches. What did you acquire in the last 20 years of worshiping God in churches? What did you learn? How did you learn how to behave? How do you engage in the volunteer system and work your way through the system, work your way up the ladder so you're next to the pastor and you got a little say in something and you got your opportunity. You built your little ministry and all that stuff and you're significant in the last season. You're significant in the last season. And then something like 2020 slams the door and says to you, by the way, 
everything from the last season now needs to change and transition and go through a threshold that nothing in the last season, and I say nothing, I'm, I'm drawing an extreme. You got that. It doesn't go through the door into the new season. Your riches must be let go of to embrace the new day. You're somebody right now. But if I start putting 15 to 20-year-olds on this stage, and we go, hey, we would like for you to influence this and how it goes and where it's going, right? (laughs) Your ways don't necessarily work in the new day. The treasures of the past season may not actually function in a new day with a new operating system. How hard then is it, Jesus, for a rich guy to get into heaven? How, what are you talking about? He said, ah, it's impossible with man. Why? Because we don't want to let go of the stuff we learn. We think, you think, I think that, man, no, I understand the principle of the five-fold ministry. I understand it. I know where I fit in that. I know how to function in supernatural gifts. I know how to do these things. Okay. What if we went ahead and threw a new operating system on this sucker? And we said to you, you got, there's a whole new set of rules. So how many of you would have a hard time for me telling you, hey, by the way, you've been, not by, you've been doing it wrong, but we're just literally not going to do what you have valued for 20 years. We're not going to do it anymore. And that was the thing that your identity and your sense of purpose and your, was built around. Do you feel the pain of that? There is a tension in that, isn't there? Oh, it got quiet. Okay. I must be saying something right. It is impossible for man. But with God, anything is possible. So there's something of the divine connection that enables you to transition from one season to the next and succeed. Are you the 95% or are you the 5%? I, is, this the ch- is this church? Because I can tell you prophetically that what you're destined for, but I can't decide for you. See, I think there are words that God has placed over this church that are calling you towards the future that make you very relevant to the city of Vacaville and beyond, that make you very relevant in the nations, that it matters that the mission exists, and not just exists, but steps fully into the new day and thrives. I really do. I think the prophetic words say that. I think your destiny says that. I think all that stuff. But... When it comes down to it, you're going to have to decide, are we going to humble ourselves and learn something new, or have we have it figured out and we know what to do, and so we're going to keep doing what we know to do and ride until we die. 
the largest free span auditorium in Northern California. Prophesied to have the double double. Is that day behind you or in front of you? Listen, I'm telling you, we're either going to step into God's day or it's going to become an amazing venue for the city to rent out for concerts. Oh, I see. Oh, we're up in your stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. No? Come on. I know that's not in your heart. I know that you love the Lord and there's sincerity in it, and I'm trying to rouse you this morning. I'm trying to shove you. Is it working yet? Are you ticked off yet? Are you angry at me yet? Go Packers. <laughs> my man who loves the Falcons wearing my Packers green today, he prophetically got it right, okay? <laughs> Guys, How hard is it for a rich man to transition? Oh, we've been doing it all right. We're obeying the law. Yes. What am I missing? What are we missing, Jesus? He's talking to the Lord face to face. Jesus is engaging him in an authentic conversation. Jesus has given him the literal truth. He is inviting him into the new day. And when Jesus says to him, Hey, you got to let go of that old identity. You got to let you got to let go of it in order to embrace the new. You have to be a seed that falls to the ground and dies in order to bear fruit. See, that's the hard place. Do you have it figured out or maybe is there some more things? Can I tell you I've been on a crazy journey. Crazy journey. Of my, my own personal journey, walking through this stuff. We are living in it. We are walking through it. I don't have it all figured out by any means, but, but we are figuring some stuff out. And you guys have the heart in order to engage this. The, the culture is here. The love of the Lord is here. All of, the, all of the elements are in place. But it's still this moment of will you throw yourself on the rock and allow yourself to be broken and humble or are you still going, nah, we got it. We know what we're doing. Fall on the rock or let the rock fall on you. Either way, you're going to have to cut that box spring in half. <laughs> that would be a good sermon title right there. Uh, my father, I, I grew up in the church. I, you know, some of you know my, some of my backstory. I, I grew up in uh, a Baptist home. Yes, absolutely. We're right. <laughs> we know. Duh. <laughs> Grew up in a Baptist home. My father is literally a Baptist theologian, holds his doctorate in theology from Bethel Seminary. Okay? We, he, he was a fantastic leader, and he planted a church in 1978, he pastored it for 33 or 34 years. Transitioned out of that, planted another church, each of these multi campused Excellent leader. Excellent leader. When he retired, okay, when, in, in somewhere in his transitional time is when we gave birth to our, our church, the house, okay, 17 years ago. 
somewhere in the midst of that, my heart, the dream of my heart was that I want, I want to work alongside my dad one day. I, I, it's a, it's just, I don't know where it came from. We we're like oil and water. Okay. But to say that we do not think according to the same paradigm would be a vast understatement. Okay. His leadership style is totally different than mine. Uh, I mean, there's just so many ways that we do things differently. Everyone say do things differently. Okay. We do things differently. And, and so, um, there's some convictions, there's some core beliefs that he held in his leadership style that made him successful. Some of those same convictions and, and the, the, the reasons why he would do certain things, we, we held the value in common, but how we applied that was drastically different from each other. And so it was hard for us to work together because I just do things so differently than he does. So when my dad retired from official ministry and the churches that he had planned, he had passed them off successfully, by the way, to multiple different groups of people. And, and those churches are still going, which is a testimony to, you know, God's faithfulness in that. And, and when he retired, he began to attend the house, our church. Began attending. And, and he professed, he loved it. He learned how to do, you know, an hour and a half of worship. He learned how to do. There's lots of things that, okay? He learned. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't. I, you're not listening fast enough. I can't talk to you about all the stories. Um, but this, this, he went and he started attending the church. And, and I went to my elders and I said, listen, y'all, I need you to know something. I have an, I am convinced that my dad is to be an elder in this church. So we're not, we're not discussing if he should be or shouldn't be. That's not, that's not off, that's off the table. I know that I'm going to partner with my father in ministry someday. But then I also talked to them and I said, listen, but right now, if we empower him, he'll destroy things. He'll hurt things. He'll hurt what we're doing. And so I need you, we as a community, we're going to honor and we're going to value and we're going to walk with him until there is an alignment. We're going to do this. And we took the journey, and it took several years. And I watched my dad humble himself. We had many hard conversations because there are some non-negotiables about the new season. There are some non-negotiables. We can go, no, 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 it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. But it's happening. And and like it or not, you might not like the electric car, but it's probably here for a while. You know, digital world, right? The almighty prophet Google, right? Yeah, access to information. There's so many layers of what's changed, right? But, but we walked through this season of walking together and we would have lots of conversations and lots of heartache for me, but proud moments and wrestlings and, and, and my commitment to my father because I honor him and I love him because I felt destiny that no, we are to work together. My conviction in my heart, no, this 
this is not a negotiable. This is supposed to happen. The only reason we moved back to Minnesota was because I had a prophetic word that said, the reason you're going back is for your dad. And so I'm willing to put everything on the line to make sure that some point. But I also understood the season and the timing that there was some changes and shifts and humility, and he had to undergo transformation. And we walked through this together. And I can tell you today that my father is on staff as a pastor. He is an elder in our church. He preaches regularly. He is leading the, the retirement and beyond, the empty nester sort of group. He's, he's in it, and he has he has wrestled through and figured out and learned new things. And, and it's incredible what's taking place. And we're watching fruit abound in that. But there is a key in the midst of that that if you missed it, you'll think, oh, no, no, no. It's about old people learning how to do new things. That ain't. You missed it if that's what you heard. Oh, it's about that. that you know, you gotta, you got to just do it the way the young guy says. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense because young guys don't know what the heck they're talking about. Mm-mm, you don't know. <laughs> I thought I knew. Praise God I had old dudes in my life. Okay? Now, now there's a little more gray popping out my face. Right? Yes, glory. Right? Okay. My value and honor for my father was what helped him transition from the old into the new. I honored my father grabbed his hand, and we walked through the door together. Had I left him there and said, figure it out, dude, I don't think that we would be working together today. And had he said, you don't know what you're doing, young whippersnapper, I don't think that we would have experienced the growth and leadership momentum and all the things that were necessary for us to step into our day. Because my dad knew some stuff, it just had to be translated through the door. Hmm. Ten million businesses. Whoo. Ten trillion dollars. Nation's economy. All wrapped up in learning to honor our father and mother so that we can dwell in the land, that we can receive the inheritance, we can step into the new day with momentum instead of having to figure it all back out for ourselves. So you look at that neighbor of yours again, the one that was sitting next to you before. I don't know if they moved or anything, but I just say, I think that was a good word right there. Yeah, I think he was talking to you. <laughs> Second Kings 13. You guys doing all right? 
We're doing okay? 2 Kings 13, verse 20 and 21. It's a familiar story, especially in this house. I know it is. Y'all have heard this message preached a bunch of times. Probably not in the way I'm doing it, but 2 Kings 13, 20 and 21. You know this one? Elisha, dead, buried. Elisha died, verse 20. 2 Kings 13, verse 20. Elisha died. They buried him. Elisha was the servant of who? Elijah. Elijah carried a mantle, an assignment from God, a purpose in Israel. He was a judge of Israel. He helped Israel stay aligned to God's purposes and challenged and walked them through some really difficult transitions. He made sure Israel is going to stay connected to God. Elijah has a servant, somebody who just washes the hands, named Elisha. And Elisha clung to his master and refused to leave him, even though Elijah kept trying to give him job opportunities. Elijah's like, hey, let's go to Jericho. There's a company of prophets. You're going to be the man there. You should take that job. No, I'm not going to leave you. Listen, I'm leaving. This transition's going. Elijah's saying, I got to find some place for you. We got to find something for you to do because this train is leaving. Elisha says, no, I'm sticking with you until the very end. I'm clinging to you. I'm not allowing what you possess to go to the grave until it comes to me. I am refusing to let go of this until you bless me. You possess something that I need in order to fulfill my calling, and I am not leaving this relationship until you give it to me. If you go to your boss and you talk like that, first of all, they're going to think you're crazy. But if you behave like that, Ride or die, I am in this company, and I am here to help. You think you're set up for promotion? Yeah, this is how you step into it. Elisha clings to Elijah until the very end, and he says to him, okay, what do you want from me? Elijah's saying to Elisha, all right, all right, young man. You've been doing all this. You're pain in my neck. You've refused to leave. Clearly, you want something. What is it you want? I would like a double portion, please. I want it. I want what you got. I want it. I value, I honor, I recognize you carry something from God, and it's not going to the grave until I possess it. Tenacity grabbed hold of it. He saw something in heaven and said, I'm not leaving without it. Elijah said, well, that's a hard thing. It's not something I can do. I can't just do that. So here's the test. Here's what's going to happen. You need to stay and see me go. You have to acquire vision from my exit. You need to see. You need to have the vision of what I am doing all the way to the end. And if you are the person who grabs hold of the previous generation's dream, you will be the one who gets the opportunity to steward it in the next generation. But it requires you grabbing hold of it and not changing the point. Are you alive this morning? I'm preaching way better than y'all are letting on, by the way. This is, 
We know the story. Elisha gets it. The mantle falls to him. He gets the God impartation. Okay? He gets the assignments, the double portion. Onward. Elisha tries to pass off his ministry, the impact. He tries to pass it off to people. He tries. Tries to pass it off to Gehazi. Tries to pass it off to another servant. There's, I think there is proof that, that he tries at least three, maybe even four times to see, listen, is somebody willing to pay the price? Is someone willing to grab this? And he's trying to give it away. He's in the 95 percentile. I'm trying to sell my business. Why doesn't anyone want it? Why aren't they recognizing value in what I grew over the last 20 years? My own kid doesn't even want it. What's going on here? What is happening in this dynamic transition that nobody, and there's somebody who does lip service, that king comes to him and is like, hey, my father, my father, horses and chariots of heaven. And Elisha's like, all right, let's see. Pick up the arrows. They're the arrows of victory. Strike the ground. Let's find out. Three times. Well, there you go. There you go. You clearly don't want it. You're willing to do lip service to something because it's a corporate value and you like that. But when, it, when, the, when the metal hits metal, when it's difficult, when it costs you, when I don't know. I mean, name all the different difficulties that you go through in a work situation. Your boss doesn't like you. You, you have tension at work. You have drama with an employee. You pay got reduced. Woo! Pay got reduced? You kidding me? It can't be God's call for my life anymore. What the heck are we talking about? There's a cost? No way. Couldn't be God if there's a cost. Guys. Okay. I'm hoping it's a groan of agreement, not the groan that I'm hearing. If you start chucking stuff at me, then I'm wiry. I can move, so... Elisha dies. They bury him. The bands of Moabites, an enemy, were invading the land in the spring of that year. Okay? It's new. It's only been in the grave a little bit. As they're burying the man, a man, behold, they saw a marauding band coming at them. They took the man. They cast him into the grave of Elisha. And when the man touched Elisha's bones, he was revived and stood to his feet. What a weird story. Weird story. One of the Issues with transitions is that they are very painful and you're going to have to die to some stuff. Okay? They're very painful. They're hard. Sometimes stuff gets ripped out of your hands instead of you gracefully letting go. And you go, how is this God? No, it was God. It was God. I'm sorry. It was God. It was painful. It was difficult, but it was God. You didn't like it. You didn't like how it rolled out. You, didn't, you have a disagreement with the way a leader did something. You're offended by blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Yeah. It's all part of dying. So die already. Just die. Let go. Let it go. Okay? So some issues, some inner healing stuff, some bitterness, whatever. We got some stuff with people. Awesome. Go have those conversations. But don't throw away the new day because you're just ticked. It didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out.
That was a Minnesota dance. Unless the seed falls to the ground, do it again. No, I see them cameras coming out. No. (laughs) Unless the seed falls to the ground, it won't bear fruit. Unless it dies, you got to, the transition, y'all, is where the fruit gets born. The transition, it's, it's in the next. It's in the giving forth. It's, but what if you're the seed? I know you want to be the fruit-bearing tree, but what if you're the seed? That was, that was a wonderful golf clap. What's revival? This is a revival church. What's revival? Dead things coming to life. <laughs> Why's it got to be revived? Because, you know, it's not breathing anymore. Because you went through a very hard time because you're coming out the other side. Look up, look up here, and I'm being sincere, okay? I'm being as sincere as I possibly can. Y'all are poised for revival, for real. Okay? Not because something was wrong or people were wrong or there was something bad or I, none of that. Knock that off. Quit trying to be a judge of situations you don't understand or know about. Right? You go through hard times. You're poised for revival. You're poised for a move of God. You're poised for an awakening, a new day. How do I know that? Because you've gone through some stuff and look up here. You're on the other side. Congratulations. You're on the other side. You're there. You did it. You did it. Okay, now's not the time to throw a temper tantrum. Oh, my goodness. You made it through. Don't pop now. You're on the other side. Keep humbling yourself. Learn. Grow. Y'all, this thing. I don't think you're landing the plane. I don't think it's setting. I think the sun is rising right now. I think you're on the other side. I think you're about to take off. All right. Okay, prophetically speaking, right, prophetically speaking, I believe that there are many significant works of God which have fallen to the ground and are laying there, and it is necessary for the next generation. Now, generations are not ages. Okay, the generation of Moses was everybody alive during that time. Not just those 80 and older. You know, like, no. It's up to you. Okay, I know a rubber band, when it stretches, there is kind of that, like, "Mm, I don't think there's a more stretch in us. Okay, I know that when a wineskin ages gracefully, it becomes a little set in its ways because we figured some things out. And so if you just chuck new wine into it, it's destructive. We're not trying to do that. What's the answer? The answer is chuck it back in the river and let's let it soften again. Let's humble ourselves. Let's learn some things. Let's be together on this journey. In corporate speak, it's like, hey, cross-training, retraining, learn some new things. I know you don't like email. Okay, that's because it's from 30 years ago, and right there's new things already. Like, there's stuff to learn. Don't stress over that stuff. That's not the real stuff. 
But those little offenses are the reasons why you get, you get stuck. Okay, Rosh Hashanah, the open and shut door. Got one last thing. Can we do it? Is that okay? Okay. Isaiah twenty two twenty two. Isaiah twenty two twenty two. Opening and shutting of doors, right? Transitions between seasons. Isaiah twenty two twenty two. I will set the key of the household of David on his shoulder. And when he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. Famous verse. Used lots of different ways. I'm sure all of the teachings are right. All of them. Famous verse. Prophetic principle. One worth looking into. One worth considering. I'm kind of one of these, uh, just, I'm, I'm just a practical guy. I, I like things to be straightforward. I, I don't know. I love the Proverbs. Anybody in here enjoy reading the Proverbs? I love the Proverbs. I think there is so much practical wisdom. And, you know, I, I, but the key to, like, understand the Proverbs is literally just to receive it straightforward. Don't try to don't weave your theological principles into it. Just, it's just there. It just says, yeah, don't be dumb. That's what it says. Just like that. Isaiah 22, 22. I'll set the, the key of the household of David on his shoulder, and when he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. Okay, what is the key that made David's household successful? Okay, this is... Okay, I, I heard it. I heard people go immediately into other teachings. Don't. Just stop. Stop at the moment. Let's just ask it from a straightforward, practical way. Okay? This word key, the literal meaning of it is an opener, an opening, or the instrument of opening, the it is the thing that opened David's door. And I know we went worship. That's awesome. It's definitely a key in David's life. But it has to be multi-generational. Okay? Because what we see throughout history are, even though David's household continues until Christ, you know, there's going to be, God said, someone's going to sit on my throne eventually forever. It's Jesus. Right? Sitting on David's throne. That, we see that, that continuum. But when we talk about David's household, we can't be talking about blood relatives only. The reason is because there are some kings that show up and the Lord just clearly says, he did not do according to David and he was evil. But then there will be a king that pops up and he'll go, and it'll say this. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David did. In other words, the son who was wicked and did not do or did not utilize the key of David. He got the throne, but he clearly wasn't David's son. 
the household of David were those who, who did this thing that David did. How do you pick up the mantle of Saul when Saul wants to kill you? How do you access what was in the hand of the previous generation? The wealth of the wicked is being stored up for the righteous. I know we want to attach dollar signs to that, but maybe it's not just that. Maybe the riches that are in possession of the previous generation, maybe there's some things that fell to the ground and we, we need to go get them. What opened the door for David? In other words, it's the thing which gives access to the next room or the next season. What was the key principle that David and all those who sat on David's throne utilized to open up their door of destiny? I'll just save you. Don't guess. Don't fall in the hole. Let me just answer it, okay? Honor. It's honor. David honored Saul in spite of everything and anything Saul was doing against him. He valued what God had said to him and recognized that Saul possesses something that he needs, and so he chose. He's going to honor. He's not going to lift his hand against the Lord's anointed. He's not going to do anything against because he is supposed to possess the very thing that's in this other guy's hands. So it doesn't matter what wave of evil. It doesn't matter he's trying to murder him. It doesn't matter if he's been, uh, 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 you know, maligned and spoken badly of. And I mean, the whole nation would have heard Saul's tirades against David. He called for David's head and told the whole nation of Israel, if you see this kid, you got to tell me where he's at because he is a cancer to our nation's future. What did David do? Just refused refused to do injury to him. Why? Because he valued what was on his life. It was supposed to come to him. To the point that the rightful heir to the throne, Jonathan, saw David's honor and recognized God's calling, and Jonathan chose to get out of the way and covenant with David because he saw it so clearly. Hmm. David honored Saul. Saul was carrying what David needed to possess, and so David honored that man until, until he was killed in battle. Jonathan was killed in battle. The throne came to David. That mantle, that access to God's calling came through the door of a generational transfer. Why? Because David chose to honor and value it, and so it could come through. Elisha chose to stand in that door and wait for it to be passed. There was a choice of the heart. Jesus said, you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Do you want to have the authority of heaven resting on your life? Awesome. Then you must be willing to walk through that door. You've got to let go of your stuff. You've got to honor and value what it is that God's doing over your stuff. You have to, this is how you do it. Y'all, I truly believe that we are in this, this vacuum because we're watching the, the greatest generation be completely passed away. That's the label, the World War II generation, right? 
has been, is passed away. We have built wealth and we've built churches. I love the Jesus people movement, but I don't, I'm, listen, like the Jesus people movement gave birth to churches, gave birth to whatever, like, and, and here we are, I, the main pastors in the Twin Cities, the guys who have been leading forever, they're, they're all aging and they're having to pass off their congregations and, and, and they were born in the Jesus People movement. And we're watching right now, real time, as all these voices that were fathers in our city are, they're stepping aside and there's a vacuum. Unless, unless you see a young man or young woman, this is exactly what happened in the Twin Cities, value and honor the previous generation and, and do that in such a way that the people recognized the value and honor towards the ones they love and have been following. And like Joshua to Moses, when Joshua came back from the tent, when Joshua won a victory, when Joshua, they all recognized the same thing that was on Moses is now on Joshua, you can do this. This isn't actually hard. I don't think you have to be young in age. I I think you have to choose to die. I think that there are some things of value. God works in the previous generation that, that didn't get passed on. And that we are waiting right now. We are waiting and we desperately need treasure hunters to go find those things. I think in this congregation right now, just look around right now. There is such value sitting here. Young ones, listen, look, look around. There is so much treasure in this room. But that treasure will fall to the ground unless someone goes and builds a bridge and goes and gets it. Somebody in here has got to go healing rooms, ride or die. I want to see people miraculously healed. I'm not letting go of that thing until I see what God did in previous generations birthed in ours. Okay. We're at a transition point between rooms. We're face to face with the new day. Old things are passing away. New are being born. Significant works of God in history are meant to come through the door. But the only way they can come through is through honor. Got a value? <laughs> okay. We need some treasure hunters to rise. Okay. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. And uh... <laughs> Thanks. I hope you hear my heart, y'all. I hope you hear my heart. We're not in a dire situation as long as we have the next generation willing to honor. Stand on foundations. Don't try to, don't need to do everything your own way. Stand on honor, value. My dad and I's partnership is tremendous. It's incredible what God's doing right now. And my own heart and our relationship we didn't have an actual relationship until after I come back from the military. So I was, you know, 25 years old and already had my first child when our friendship got restored. It took that long. But it was because I chose. I had, I had to honor. I had to value. All right. Moms and dads, you got some, some kids that are estranged from you right now? You got some... You got a home that needs to be repaired. 
you got to hope that those kids would come home, that thing. you got that tension going on in your relationships. It's not too late. It's not too late. It might require, though, you letting go of some things. It might require the choice to grab hold of them and say, hey, this is worth it. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing. It's okay to pursue. It's okay. I'm, I'm telling you that in this new day that there is a supernatural thing going on. There's a revival that will come. But, but you and I are the ones. We've got we to gotta initiate this in our hearts. We've got to throw ourselves in the rock. We've got to humble ourselves. Open ourselves up for the Lord to correct us. Are you alive? This is a real thing. I think that God has got some treasure hunters here because there are some things that are meant to be brought through and birthed again in this house that will transform, transform the world. You're, you're not done sending people to the nations. I'm so glad there was someone this morning that was. It's a seed. An arrow. We're shooting them out. Thousands more to come, y'all. Thousands of people. Put a hand on your own heart this morning. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for grace this morning. Grace upon grace that we might step through the door of change. That we might step through the door into the new day. It is a new day. It's a brand new day. Lord, I thank you that there is abundance in your household. And even though we have to let go and we have to change all those things, those things are very scary. Lord, you've already, you've been calling to us from the other side. Calling to us. Friends, trust Just follow follow him. Follow his voice. Trust. Release control. Trust. Honor. Value. Don't be afraid. Don't cling and demand your way. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Watch God do a work here that, that only can be defined as God. What's the key that shuts doors and opens doors and makes the destiny of God appear in your life? To honor, to value. Lord, let us honor our fathers and mothers that we might live long and prosper in the land. That your goodness would be demonstrated. God, grant grace to this house. Grace to this house. Would you just... Do a self-acknowledgement right here. Just, I just want us, just real quickly, Holy Spirit of God, you're stirring hearts right now, and we just want to acknowledge that you are. If the Lord's been speaking to you this morning, I just want you to lift your hand with me today. God, you've been speaking to me. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would clarify and simplify that we might know what to do. Give us spirit of wisdom, a word of wisdom of how to activate what you've been speaking. Thank you for this, Lord. I bless these people. I bless this house. Bless this tree. <laughs> Y'all went through the fire. You already did it. Come on. Just keep, keep going low. Keep serving. Keep loving. I'm telling you, God is, God is in this. Lord, I bless your people this morning. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. His face to shine upon you to grant grace to you. That you might advance the kingdom of his peace in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Wow. If you can have a seat real quick, I want to do a couple of things really quick, but we want to be, give you an opportunity to sow into this amazing couple and into this word. So we're going to take it up an offering for them. So if I can have the ushers come down, but if you, If you can put your hand one more time on your heart, if you agree with this word, I want 
us to say out loud, I agree. But I won't, I would, I would encourage you not to do it unless you're going to walk it out. So put your hand on your heart and say, I agree with the word that was given to us this morning. And I will live it out. So Holy Spirit, we give you our hearts. We yield to what you've been saying this morning. And we dedicate our lives to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's different ways to give. You can give online. You can text to give. If you're giving, just write on. Uh, you can just put guest speaker or speaker or Van Gelder and they'll go to bless them and their family their eight kid wonderfully wonderful eight kids just take a breath in go ahead ushers go ahead and start passing just breathe just breathe breathe in the holy spirit right now there are so many treasures laid at our feet this morning So, Holy Spirit, we just breathe you in. You have so much for us. If we would just stop and breathe you in. So, we breathe you in today in the treasures that you have for us. We receive those this this morning and today and we say amen to what you're doing uh, just a such a sweet presence right now don't let it pass you by. If I can have the ministry team come on down. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here and you're moving. And that you're not done with us. you need prayer this morning, you need some healing, you need situations in your life to be turned around, you need the impossible to happen this morning. We have people up here that are ready to pray with you and to grab a hold of heaven, grab a hold of you, and bring those two together. So stand with me as we finish up today. Just encourage you to come on down. Also, you can sign up for Ignite out in the foyer today. You do not want to pass that up. It's going to be an amazing time. So Jesus, let me just release a blessing over these people that you love and you created for greatness. So we just release that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on down if you want prayer. Love you. Have an amazing week.
of God come breathe again like the dry bones started shaking all that died will live again oh the miracle you're making the beginning of the end eternity is way see your church alive again reunited reawake with the God come breathe again like the dry bones started shaking all that died will live
You're a miracle maker. You're a miracle. 